Hi guys, this is Erin. Welcome to Hallowed Groundling. Today I'm going to be doing my very first Flashback Friday Fright Fest. Very excited about this. I know it's Sunday, but I just got my new microphone, so I'm so excited. I did my introduction one, and I put that one up on the site. That one's up now, and now this is going to be the very first Flashback Friday Fright Fest that I will be publishing on June 1st. Today. For you guys. <laughs> anyway, the topic of today's Flashback Friday Fright Fest, I love saying that three times fast, is going to be Stephen King adaptations. So I am a big Stephen King fan. What a surprise for a person who loves horror to be a big Stephen King fan, I know. And I wanted to talk a little bit about some of his movie adaptations, well, adaptations of his books to movies. There are so many and I might cover this subject, I'm not saying might, I will cover this subject again, but I wanted to do the very first one, and I wanted to do two of the best and two of the worst. Uh, in my opinion, like I said, you guys may have your own opinion, and worst is kind of a relative term. The two that I picked, I will say some positive things about. I, I don't have to trash completely, but uh, there are more negatives than positives for me, so that's why I picked them as the worst. Anyway... So I think I'll do a best and then a worst, or vice versa, actually. We'll, we'll end off with a best. So we're going to do worst first. I like saying worst first. It's like purse first, if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Anyway, <laughs> for our very first movie that I'm going to cover, for worst, in my opinion, is the adaptation of Needful Things. Uh, Needful Things came out in 93, the movie version. A little background. I read the book Needful Things when I was in about my mid-20s, and I loved that book so much. I still do. I've read it, I think, three times uh, completely because it's just such a well-written book, and the way I always talk to people about it when you know they're asking my opinion on it is I compare it to a quilt. Uh, Stephen King made all of these patches for each of the characters. You know, they, they have their own little world. Each character has their own little issue or you know, whatever's going on in their life. And he made each one. And without you seeing it, he made a thread throughout the whole thing. And as the book climaxes, he pulls the thread and the entire piece comes together and you see the dominoes and you see how everything, how they're all affecting one another and how, he, you know, of course the, um, the character is like Max von Sudo's character in the movie, um, has made this just beautiful, you know, a tapestry throughout it. So it's a, I mean, it's pretty incredible. I, I think it's really well done. Um, Leland Gaunt is who I was, you know, the, the character Leland Gaunt is Max von Sudo, who he plays. Anyway, when I read the book, I absolutely loved it. As I said, I've read it three times. So it's just, it's a, it's a favorite of mine. I was excited to see the movie version of it. And when I saw the movie version of it, I, I wanted to love it. I mean, there are so many people that are in it that I absolutely love. For instance, I mean, there's Max von Sydow, as I said, who plays Leland Gaunt. And what a perfect person to play a devil-type character. He's absolutely perfect, you know. And there are great performances in the movie. There really are. There, there are all these incredible people. I'll just name, like, you know, of course, Ed Harris plays Alan Pangborn, the sheriff. Um, he's wonderful. Bonnie Bedelia is Polly, also great. The fantastic Amanda Plummer plays Nettie. I love Amanda Plummer. I could watch her do anything. She's just fabulous. 
And J.T. Walsh, of course, uh, the late, great, wonderful J.T. Walsh is Danforth Keaton, another character in the book that's amazing. And there are all these wonderful performances in the movie. Um, I I should also say uh, Fraser Heston was the director. But just it just doesn't work every time i've ever seen the movie it just doesn't work for me there it's it's just it seems like all these brilliant little performances but then when you look at it overall it just doesn't really sell it the way it does in the book and it's a hard thing to do i i mean i say this in the most positive way that it's it's a very hard thing to do to have a you know, a movie cover a book in a, in a great way. You know, I've seen very few that I've been really like, wow, you know, not even very few, but I mean, I understand why they have to cut things out, you know, but I think when you really love a book, it's so hard to see the adaptation of, to the movie because you, you, you just, you're going to be disappointed. There's going to be things you're like, why did they leave that out? Or why did they change this or, or whatever? But there's something about the movie that it just doesn't quite touch upon the same wonderful feelings that the book did. So I don't know. I, I, I give it kind of a meh, you know, I, I, I've watched it a few times just to kind of get a feel for it again. And it just doesn't ever do it for me. So it is one of my least favorites. Again, you guys might feel totally different and please tell me if you do. So going from worst, we'll go over to a best one, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying in my opinion, but obviously it's my podcast, so I'm going to say it in my opinion. Anyway, a best is 1408. 1408 came out in 2007. Um, it was directed by Mikhail Hafstrom. It is a beautiful adaptation. Uh, everything's eventual. If you have not read the short story compendium, Everything's Eventual by Stephen King. It is amazing. And it is like just one of the most incredible, every story is great. All 14 stories are wonderful. Uh, It is just so well done, so well written. And 1408 is an incredibly terrifying short story. I blew through Everything's Eventual. I read it so fast. I reread it within a couple, like a month afterwards, after I had read it again, because it was just, the stories are so good. There are, I mean, he won a Newbery Medal for uh, The Man in the Black Suit, which my cousin Kate and I absolutely adore that story, and it scares us to death. (laughs) But it's such a great short story compendium, and 1408 is definitely a highlight. For those of you who don't know the story, it's basically... A guy who does all of those, you know, haunted house type, you know, uh, stories, blogs, and 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 he goes to all these haunted places, and he's a total non-believer, and he goes to this hotel and stays in room fourteen oh eight in New York City, and basically he goes into the room, and the room just completely, he he's totally affected by everything. The room starts to melt. It's he he catches on fire. It's, and of course, because it's a short story, you know, they don't tell, it doesn't go on forever. So in order to make it into a movie, they definitely had to pat it out. Now, to begin, um, the character of Mike Enslin, who's the the gentleman, the lead in the, in the story, he is, like I said, a non-believer. And in the movie version, they cast the wonderful John Cusack, who, I mean, I love John Cusack, so maybe that's why I'm biased toward this movie, that I love it so much. But he did such a lovely job as, as Mike Enslin. And then there's a character named Olin, who is the manager of the hotel. The Dolphin is the name of the hotel. And this is all in the short story where 
Olin tries to convince Mike Enslin not to go in the room. He's like, please don't do this. Like, the room, the room is, he tries to tell him how haunted the room is, that nobody stays there. He doesn't want anybody to stay there, so he has closed it off. Basically, it's not available, but it's illegal for, which I thought was fascinating, the little tidbit that it's illegal to, if a room is, is there and it's free, you have to rent it to someone if it's like, as long as there's no, you know, issues or anything like that. Anyway, Olin tries to convince him, and he's not convinced. And in the movie, you know, they had to pad out the story. They definitely had to, like, you know, make the story broader because it was going to be a movie instead of just a short story. And they give you backstory on Mike Enslin that he was married and he had a daughter and the daughter died. And, of course, like, the room to, once he stays there, starts to mess with him and bring out all of these things that he's sensitive to. And I thought that the movie version, they did such a great job. I mean, there were all the fantastic, you know, the, the radio playing The Carpenters, which is also in the in the book, um, and all of the ways that they did the ghosts. They made them look like these kind of, you know, scary, you know, black and white kind of images as they go to jump out the window. You know, the room has made people commit suicide. Like, numbers of people have either had heart attacks or strokes or have committed suicide in the room. It's just the story and then how they padded it out to make it into a movie I think was done incredibly well. And I, I love it very much. I think it's, it's fantastic. So, I mean, you guys give me your opinion on it, but, uh, it's definitely, I thought it was really well done and I, I enjoy the movie very much. So there you go. (laughs) Now, uh, our next worst, and this one is worse than needful things for me. I have. I'm. I. I was very sad uh, when when I saw this this version of the the book. Um, well, not version of the book, but this adaptation. It's thinner. <laughs> thinner makes me so sad <laughs> because I want to like thinner so much. You know, I. Tom Holland directed Thinner. I love Tom Holland. Uh, I know I'm going to be covering him later. I love. Fright Night. I love Child's Play. I think Tom Holland's incredibly talented and this wonderful writer-director. But Thinner is just... The book is wonderful. I love the book. I love the Bachman book. I think it's a really well-done, scary tale. Um, It's not one of his best best, but it's definitely a great story. And um, I really love the book. I, I love the story. I love the book. I think it's, you know, it's, it's not in my top favorite Stephen King's, but it's definitely a good story. I remember reading it and being totally spooked out and, and just loving the story. The movie version um, is just so cheesy and not in a good way. I love good cheese, but it's not good cheese to me. It's just really overly done and poorly acted and... Um, Robert John Burke, who plays Billy Halleck, who's the lead character. So just a little bit of background if you've never uh, seen Thinner or read the, the story. Basically, it's about this lawyer named Halleck who has a weight problem. He's, he's, he's heavy, and he has tried everything. He can't lose weight. And he's a lawyer. He's rich. And he and his wife are driving home from a party, and the wife basically leans over to give him a blowjob in the car, and he's not paying attention, and he ends up hitting this old woman. 
and killing her. And the old woman is actually a mother to a gypsy clan. And they're in town with their their troop, and the mother was crossing the street. He hit her, and he kills her. So basically, because he's a lawyer in this small town, he gets away with it. Uh, they, they deem it an accident, and they say, no big deal. Well, the patriarch of the gypsy clan, um, Lemke, puts a curse on Halleck, uh, touches his cheek, and says, thinner. And no matter what Billy does after that, he can't gain weight and he starts losing it rapidly and to the point where he's going to die because he's completely emaciated and not only that but the the gypsy patriarch he puts a curse on everyone that was involved so the judge that was involved everybody gets cursed basically because they you know they killed the, the the woman and you can see the sides of it you can totally see the sides of it I won't tell you more in case you want to read it. Uh, please read it before you see the movie, <laughs> but read the story. It's a Bachman. It's one of uh, Stephen King's Richard Bachman books, and it's just, it's a really great story. Anyway, in the movie version, for those of you who've seen it, it's it's just like everything is overly done. Everything is super cheesy. Everything is like everybody overacts to the point that it, it's not even, but it's not fun and it's not done in a caricature kind of way. It's done in a really just, poorly acted over the top kind of kind of way and it's just not a favorite of mine I just never it never has been <laughs> I've, I've tried it twice I, I watched it fully through and I didn't enjoy it and then I try I was like oh, I'll try it again and I every time I watch it I think the same thing I watch it and I say oh god this is so bad and then the ending is fabulous it has this wonderful twist ending and it, oh, the end of the movie is just done so like, ugh, you know, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the sound effect means, but just, it's just not even good. It's not good cheese. Like I said, it's bad cheese. It's like, just, and I want to let, I, like I said, I love Tom Holland. I think he's fantastic and it's just not a favorite of mine. So everybody has a bad day, I guess. <laughs> so that's kind of my take on, on thinner. So now, my very last one that I'm going to do for this podcast is my absolute favorite Stephen King book of all time. And you might disagree with me. I, I don't care. You're never going to change my mind because I know the way this story has made me feel. So, Pet Cemetery is the adaptation that I'm going to talk about. Now, I read Pet Cemetery after I saw the movie. Some friends of mine know this story. Um, my mother, I grew up with my mom, she's a single mom and she, you know, would take me to the movies when she could. And, and we tried to do it like once a month, we'd go to dinner and go see a movie. We didn't have a lot of money, but she, I begged her to take me to see Pet Cemetery. It came out in 1989 when I was 11 years old, you know, and I, and she said, I think you're too young for this. And I mean, my mom was pretty open. She's pretty liberal and she let me see a lot of cool stuff. I saw a lot of things that maybe I shouldn't have seen when at certain ages, but she'd let me see things, you know, she was pretty open about that stuff. And she would regret it afterwards if I was like terrified. And this was, yeah. So anyway, I begged her and begged her and begged her. And finally she bent and said, okay, fine. She said, I'll take you to see it. And I remember vividly at 11 years old seeing the adaptation of Pet Cemetery. I remember sitting in the theater and being completely terrified. I was just totally scared <laughs> the whole time. It was a packed theater, and I re- I covered my eyes a lot 
I mean, there was a lot of it I missed now that I've seen the movie a bunch of times as I've gotten older. I realized, like, I missed so much because I was just so scared. It was the setup. It was the music. It was the way it was done. It was just completely terrifying. And my big character that scared me in the movie to death was Zelda. And Zelda still, to this day, is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. The the movie version and the book version is scary. Like, absolutely terrifying to me. Um, I remember as a kid, just uh, afterwards, just picturing her around every corner and being, like, in the dark, like, thinking about it. And I still get creeped out. I completely still get creeped out. I I even, you know, I'm actually looking over my shoulder. Right now, it's kind of weird. It's just like one of those characters that has totally stuck with me just because I remember being so scared. And it was actually really funny because I was watching a um, a panel from a Comic-Con or like, you know, one of the comic book conventions where they had the whole Pet Cemetery cast. They had Dale Midkiff and Denise Crosby and Miko Hughes. And they had Andrew Hubitzbach, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing that last name correctly, but Andrew played Zelda. They needed to get a man to play the part because they couldn't find anyone gaunt enough to play the character. And uh, he, he was, you know, at the panel, somebody asked him if he would imitate Zelda, and he did it. And I was like, I remember getting chills. And I was in my 30s watching this. So that character has stuck with me. Like, that is how scary. And when I read the book, when I was a teenager... I went back to it far later. Anyway, I'll finish the movie section. Sorry about this. I'm jumping around because this is a a story that I'm really excited about. But my mom took me to see it. Totally terrified. I slept with my mother, I think, for like a week after. I was completely terrified. And I remember my mother saying to me, you are not seeing another horror movie for a long time. Because, you know, this... (laughs) And she just, you know, she's like, you are so... I was so scared. I was so scared. Anyway... When I read the book, when I got a little older, I loved the book so much. And I, you know, I saw, uh, obviously there's, you know, the books are always better. They, they are. I mean, and that's, that's just something that's a, a truth, I think, to me with a lot of things. I mean, obviously there's a reason they made a movie. It's because the source material is so brilliant. The Pet Cemetery book, in my opinion, is just one of the most tragic, well-written scary, terrifying stories. I mean, there's the famous lore that Stephen King wrote it and then put it in a drawer because he just thought it was too scary because he read it and he said, oh my God, this book is terrifying. He put it away and then he needed to get out of his contract. So he needed a last book. He pulled it out. He gave it to Viking and he, they, they, they put it out. And I'm so glad they did because it's just, there's the, the reason I think that Pet Cemetery is just so scary is that there's no redemption in it. It's one of his, it's a tragedy. It's his, it's his horrible tragedy. You know, he wrote it and it was like, there's no redemption at the end. No, there's no silver lining. Everybody's destroyed. Everybody's ruined. And that's it. And in the movie version, I think that Mary Lambert directed it. She did such a great job capturing the, the, the essence of the book. They did change some things that, kind of are, you know, I I understand why they did it because it adds a whole other element to the story. One huge change in particular for those of you who have read the book and seen the movie is that in the book, the um, character of Judd Crandall is married to Norma and Norma's death is kind of the catalyst that 
sends everything like or Norma getting sick and and she's got arthritis and she has a heart attack and Lewis is a doctor and he saves her. So that's kind of the reason that Judd introduces Lewis to the pet cemetery and they switched it around a bit in the movie and made a character named Missy Dandridge who kind of did laundry and did housework for the creeds and she dies she kills herself because she has cancer and that's kind of the death that like sets things into motion and the only problem with the way that they did it was that there was really no reason for Judd to introduce him to the pet cemetery. You know, that, that she introduced Lewis to the pet cemetery when he buries their cat. He, there was really no reason for him to do it because in the book it was more like, this was why, because you saved my wife, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this special thing for you. Anyway, let me get back to the comparison. <laughs> this is such a like, favorite of mine. So... I think in the movie version, I mean, there are so many wonderful performances. Um, I thought that Denise Crosby was amazing as Rachel Creed. She's a fabulous actress, and she did such a great job. Dale Midkiff is wonderful as Lewis, but I have a few. I mean, he's a little over the top sometimes, too, a little unbelievable. Um, But he's definitely, like, an amazing character. Um, But let's talk about the Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn plays Judd Crandall, and there's it's such a perfect, perfect match. It's such a, a beautiful match, you know, to make him Judd Crandall because he is perfect. I mean, and, and I don't use that word very often, but he was the perfect choice. For those of you who don't know Fred Gwynn, I don't even know what to say to you, but Fred Gwynn played Herman Munster on The Munsters. He's just this incredible character actor. He's also in My Cousin Vinny. He played the judge. Um, he and he's so perfect as Judd Crandall. He he played the part beautifully. He had the perfect main accent. He was fantastic. Um, Miko Hughes is another standout who plays Gage Creed, who's the son. Um, I don't want to give too much away. I mean, I hope you guys have seen this if you know. But <laughs> um, there's some real standout characters in this. And Mary Lambert, I think, did such a great job making the movie cohesive and really well shot and scary as hell. I mean, the the movie still has a, a terrifying element to it. I mean, when I watch I still get creeped out. I think I go back to that 11-year-old in the theater and I just, I watch it and I get all like, because it just, it makes me feel all, all tight and intense. I couldn't even look at the box cover of the video when I was a kid, right after when the movie came out on video. I couldn't even look at the box cover. The box cover creeped me out. That's how much, and I think that's why it's one of my favorites now. And you know, being such a big horror fan, it's it's a book and a movie that have stuck with me. I have read the book multiple times. Uh, I used to read it once a year. I actually got out of that habit, but I was reading it once every fall. I would read it. I haven't done it in like uh, two years now. But it's just such a special story to me, and I really do love the moody, move, movie adaptation. And two things that I want to tell you guys about. One is, if you haven't seen it yet, um, there is a documentary about um, about Pet Cemetery, about the movie of Pet Cemetery, that's really good. Um, it's called Unearthed and Un- Untold, the um, Pet Cemetery Story or something. I, I, I'm going to get the exact title for you guys. Um, but it is a really well-done documentary about... Here it is. Unearthed and Untold: The Path to Pet Cemetery. It came out in 2017. It is directed by John Campo Piano, 
and Justin White, who are also doing, as far as I remember, are doing a new documentary about it, about but about the 1990 television version, television movie version of it. Um, I'll probably do a podcast about the it comparison between the TV movie and the new remake that came out. But um, this, yeah, the documentary is excellent. It's got a great backstory on how they made the film, how it came to light, and and about you know kind of the background story of how the book was written and everything too. And it's a really well done documentary if you get a chance to watch it. And also, what I wanted to talk about too quickly in reference to Pet Cemetery, because obviously this is my favorite, I saved it for last, is there's a new remake coming out in 2019 uh, of Pet Cemetery. Um, it is starring Jason Clark as Lewis and. I am really excited because they cast John Lithgow as Judd, and John Lithgow is a genius, um, and I, I can see him doing a really great job as Judd. And I hope that the movie will be good. I hope that they do it justice. I mean, there's so few of these horror remakes <laughs> that have been really good. So, I, I mean, I know they just keep regurgitating things, but hopefully they'll do this justice and give it kind of a a new spin like the new it movie did they gave it kind of a new spin to the story and i hope it'll be something done with love and and enduring you know in being okay to the story being good to the story um hopefully we'll see when it comes out so there you go that is uh, my first flashback friday fright fest uh, Stephen King adaptations. As I said before, I'm probably going to be covering this subject again. So um, I, I, I'm not probably, I will be because there's just so many adaptations and I love Stephen King so much. I am actually, the reason I chose this was because he has a brand new book out called The Outsider, which I have coming to me. I'm really excited to read that. And then when I read it, I'm definitely going to do a book review for you guys on the blog. So thank you for joining me for my first Flashback Friday Fright Fest. This was Stephen King adaptation number one. Stay spooky. See you guys soon. Bye.